Now that is awesome. Today, I'm going to make it real simple for you guys. The title of the message, the point, and the action step are all the same. Flee immorality, okay? It's so important that we get this as a church. We decided that we're going to make it the title, the action step, and the point. So let's pray together. Lord, we desperately need the power of your Holy Spirit for us to be able to flee immorality. Lord, we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And so I pray this morning as we look at your word that you would be the one that leads us. You be the one that guides us. You be the one that takes us far away from, from our enemy. Lord, I'm so thankful for Rick and Alita and so grateful that they're joining the staff. And I pray, God, that you would give them great wisdom, that you would help them to be able to serve with all the ways that you've gifted them. Lord, I'm so thankful as Cheryl prayed for the Schilling family and them serving the Lord and serving you in our military and in the Navy. Lord, I pray you continue to have your hand over them. And as we Open your word this morning. I pray that you would inspire us, that you would lead us with the power of your spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. The word flee means to run away from danger as fast as you can. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. As we dig into this scripture this morning, going through Genesis chapter 39, it's pretty rare to find anybody in the Bible that, flee, that fled from immorality. In fact, you, get, you got Jesus and you got this story with Joseph and there's not too many other examples in there. And I think it shows that we're, we're all weak, we're all sinners, we're all in desperate need of a Savior. But this story is such a great story because it shows a person that knew that he was in danger and he fled from that danger. If you saw a lion coming after you that looked like that, what would you do? You would probably run, right? You would probably flee from that danger. If your car was stuck on railroad tracks, you wouldn't sit there and think, hmm, I wonder how long till a train comes. I think I'll just sit here and ponder why I'm stuck here. No, you would run, you would flee from your car. And scripture is really clear about the dangers of immorality, especially sexual immorality. And it says that we're supposed to flee. We're supposed to run. And we see this story here as we jump back into Genesis. If you're new here this week, we're so glad that you're here. And we've been going through Genesis, and uh, we are in Genesis chapter 39, where we see that Joseph, Joseph has been sold into slavery, and he gets put in the house of Potiphar, who's one of the uh, main officials for Pharaoh in Egypt. And so he's put in a pretty high position to oversee everything that... Uh, Potiphar has. We'll look at a couple verses and then I'll talk about it and we'll get through this chapter seeing how we can apply it to our lives. Now Joseph had been taking down to Egypt Potiphar an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials and captain of the guard brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. It's really interesting the word officials in the original Hebrew really means something more like a eunuch. So it's interesting as you go through the story you see how maybe Potiphar's wife 
would have been a little bit more tempted to go into sexual sin because her husband would have been castrated to serve as one of the highest uh, level officials. And this was done so that the, the person wouldn't try to take over the reign of the kingdom through his heirs. And he wasn't able to have heirs. He was castrated. So here's the eunuch that is Potiphar, who is um, the person that's in charge over Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with them, and that the Lord gave success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now, this is really interesting. Potiphar almost certainly would have been a pagan. He would have been someone that didn't worship the, the true God. But here he is noticing that a man of God, that God is blessing him. How, how would he notice that? Well, he would have seen the favor that God had over him. He would have seen what a hard worker he, he was. He would have seen all the ways that he acted with integrity, that even an unbeliever can notice that. I mean, what an important lesson for us as we go to our work, as we go to school, as we live our lives, that unbelievers can notice the Lord in our life when we act with integrity, when we're bold with our faith. And that's exactly what happened here with Potiphar. He noticed that the Lord was with him. He noticed that the Lord uh, had a blessing in his life. And many times, non-Christian leaders, especially during this time, would get people that were followers of the Lord uh, to, fall, to, to serve with them because they knew that they could be trusted. They knew that they had integrity. They knew that they would be honest. They knew that they were trustworthy. And that's exactly what happened here with, with Potiphar. He knew that Joseph could be trusted. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Isn't that interesting? That the Lord had his hand so much over Joseph that even the household where, where Joseph was serving, the Lord had his hand over it. The blessing of the Lord was over everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge, and he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I mean, what an awesome thing for Potiphar. Here he is, he gets this guy that's sold into slavery, and now he has him under his house, and everything is being blessed, and so he's thinking, this is great. I'll just leave him in charge of everything that is going on in my household. I got enough going on, I can trust him. Isn't that awesome? That a follower of the Lord could be fully trusted. But here comes a little bit of the trouble. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and he would have been, uh, you know, maybe in his early 20s or late teens, he was very well-built, he was handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master has not concerned himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph knew what he was up against. Joseph knew the trouble of sexual immorality. And if he had fallen into that temptation... Probably not many people would have even said anything. Even the other attendants that were there, they were used to seeing sexual immorality. And remember, Joseph grew up around his brothers where there was plenty of sexual immorality that was happening, as we learned in the last few chapters. But Joseph had the wisdom 
to, to understand that this was a sin against God. He knew that he shouldn't fall into that temptation, and so he refused. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or to even be with her. Isn't that interesting? That he even put some distance in between him and her because he knows that every day she's trying to pursue him. And he knows that if he st stays around that temptation too long, that he's going to fall into that sin. There may be a temptation in your life that you have, and you shouldn't push it to the edge. You should back away from it. You should run from it. You shouldn't trust yourself to have enough strength to be able to go right up to the edge and not fall into it. Joseph had the wisdom to back away from it. You can see that he's already fleeing that immorality that is coming into his life. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Most theologians believe that at the time Potiphar's wife, she didn't have any clothes on. She's naked. And she's saying, come on, I'm, I'm ready. I'm sick and tired of you telling me no. How are you going to resist? And he realized in that moment that there was probably no way in his flesh as a late teen, early 20-year-old that he's going to be able to resist that. And so he runs. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? There's a lot of wisdom just fleeing things that tempt us to not even get close uh, to falling into that. And so he runs from the situation. When she saw that he left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has brought us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Wow. She has now had, had her pride hurt. She's embarrassed that here she is saying, here, here I am, have me. And he's saying, no. And so she decides, okay, we're going to turn this around a little bit. You're going to keep denying me. You're going to keep making you're going to keep making me feel bad, and and by denying what I'm offering you, then we're going to turn this around, and I'm going to get you in deep, deep trouble. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him his story. That Hebrew slave brought us that you brought us came to make uh, make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help. He left his cloak beside me and ran out of his house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. It's interesting here that Potiphar certainly had the power to give him capital punishment, to put him to death. For this, And it says he burned for anger, but it doesn't say that he burned for anger just towards Joseph. He might have known the character of his wife. He might have known what was going on a little bit. Maybe he didn't believe her fully, but there was no way that he could take Joseph's side. So he puts him in prison. And you see that Joseph doesn't have any type of defense here at all. I think that was me. I would have said, no, man, I, I didn't do any of this. But I think Joseph understood the situation, that there was no way under any situation that Potiphar was going to take his side 
in this. And so he just went without any type of defense at all. I think it's also important to learn uh, from, this, from this story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife that we think that sometimes Christian karma exists, that if we honor God and do the right thing, then he's just going to bless us, that all these blessings are just going to flow down. But what happened to Joseph? I mean, he honored God, right? He fled from the scene. And what happened? What happened in the immediate? He was lied about and then thrown into prison. Now, many of you know the whole story, and we're going to talk more in the coming weeks about the whole story that happened with Joseph. We know that ultimately God does work through this whole situation. But I think we're called as the people of God to honor him and to flee from immorality no matter what ends up happening. It's interesting, though, while Joseph was in prison, the Lord didn't forget about him. It's part of his plan for his life. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was doing there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. What an interesting thing, right? That even in the midst of of him being thrown into prison, the Lord didn't forget about him. And maybe there's been a time uh, in your life recently where you've been following after God and you're thinking, what is going on here? These, all these other things are happening to me. The Lord hasn't forgotten you. And so when it comes to our lives, when it comes to us understanding that there are temptations in our lives, we need to flee immorality. And we don't have to wait to be in a situation where we have to run. We can do preventative fleeing. We can get out ahead of it. One of the ways that we do this uh, as a staff is we have the staff uh, Good News Church uh, commandments. And I want to show you these because I think maybe wise for some of you to apply this to your own life. Because you can't fall into sexual sin if you follow these Ten Commandments. You should not go to lunch alone with a member of the opposite sex. You should not have the opposite sex pick you up or drive you places when it's just the two of you. That the Good News Church staff members, we're never alone with a member of the opposite sex other than our spouses. If we're never alone with a member of the opposite sex, then nothing can ever happen, right? And so we realize that all of us can fall into temptation, and so we set up these boundaries. You shall not kiss any intender of the opposite sex or show affection that could be questioned. You might be thinking, what is going on with that? Staff members aren't going to go around kissing people. Well, one time uh, some of our staff members went to a church, and there was a small group leader there that was kissing all the attenders of his small group. It was really strange and weird. So we put that, we put that in there. You shall not visit the opposite sex alone at home or in public. You should not opposite, uh, counsel the opposite sex alone at the office. Thou shalt not cancel the opposite sex more than once without the person's mate. Refer them. Keep the office door open. Thou shalt not discuss detailed sexual problems with the opposite sex in counseling. Thou shalt not discuss your marriage problems with the tender of the opposite sex. Thou shalt be careful in answering emails. Thou shalt make your coworker your protective ally. Thou shalt pray for the integrity of other staff members. Preventative, preventative fleeing. And maybe in your life, in your marriage, there's some places where you need to get out ahead of it, to not walk right up against that temptation, but to flee uh, from immorality because you know the places that you are weak. It reminds me of the story of this little boy that's 
at a grocery store and he's in the, the cookie aisle and he has a bag of cookies in his hands and he's opened up the bag of cookies and the manager comes down the aisle and says, hey, I know what you're doing. You're trying to steal the cookies. You're trying to eat the cookies. And the little boy says, actually, I'm just standing here trying not to eat the cookies. You see, he, he was in the wrong aisle, right? That he was weak in this area of eating cookies. Uh, but he was in the cookie aisle. And if you're weak in a certain area, don't get right up next to it. Understand that as people that, that, are, that are full of sin, that we have weaknesses, that we can fall short. You know the richest person, the wisest person, the strongest person, and the person that was called the most godly in the Bible all fell into sexual temptation all fell into sexual immorality so what makes you think that you're the one you're the one that can stand up to it i think oftentimes we we overestimate ourselves and underestimate the danger the amount of counseling over the last 18 years that i've had to do because of sexual immorality because of people overestimating themselves and underestimating the danger listen all of us all of us can fall into sexual immorality. And so we have to want to flee sexual immorality. Listen, sexual immorality, whether it's uh, adultery or pornography, or listen, the reason why people fall into it is because it feels good, it looks good. If it didn't feel good, look good, then we wouldn't fall into it. That's the difficult thing about sin, is that sin on the surface looks good, feels good, but has unbelievably horrible consequences. So we have to want to flee from sexual immorality. If, if I was talking to you about giving you some water, would you want that water to be pure? How about air? Do you want air to be pure? How about food? Do you want your food to be good and pure? And what about, what about sex? Do you want that to be good and pure in your life? Well, we have to flee immorality. See, Joseph knew God, and he knew that, that God loved him. And he knew that God promised to bless him and to make him a blessing. And he knew that God said that sex belonged in marriage. And he knew that God was not the ultimate joy stealer. I know for many years of my life, before I was a Christian, that's what I thought God was. I thought he was the joy stealer. I thought that if I followed after God, then he would just take away all the fun things that I was doing in my life. That he wanted to take away all those things that were sinful in my life just because he wanted to strip away my happiness. But after following God now for, for many decades, I understand that God puts up parameters. He puts up things in our lives because he is the ultimate joy giver. He wants things to be in the right space. He wants sex to be in marriage because he's the joy giver and he knows how awful and how terrible it is when things go outside of his plan. See, we need to enjoy Jesus more. We need to enjoy his word more because he is the joy giver and he is way wiser than we are. He's given us the owner's manual for life. He's given us God's word. And when we dig into God's word, we can see that he is not the joy stealer. He is the joy giver. And you see what happens here with Joseph. He knew the danger, right? 
he saw that Potiphar's wife was getting, getting close, and he told, him, told her no. And in fact, he stopped even meeting with her and even talking with her. And when, he pursued, when she pursued him without any clothes on, he ran from the situation. He knew how weak he was, and he knew how great the temptation is. What happens with us is we underestimate the danger. We have an evil one that wants to devour us. We have an evil one that wants to rip our families apart. He doesn't care anything about you other than to destroy your life. So we have to count on Jesus. We have to count on the power of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of temptations around us, isn't there? And when we all carry around a phone in our pocket, within about a second, each and every one of us can access pornography right here from the, the phone that's in our pocket. We carry it around with us. The temptation is great. The porn industry is a $20 billion industry. It's evil. It's awful. It wrecks lives. It wrecks marriages. We have to run from the danger. We live in a world where there's unbelievable uh, moral confusion. And we don't think running to the church to have brothers and sisters point us to Jesus is important anymore. We have all these things that happen on Sundays. Sundays used to be sacred, right? Stores used to be closed. Never think about having any type of sports or any type of extra, extracurriculars. Now it's just another day of the week. The only people that seem to remember is Chick-fil-A. They're the only ones that still get it, right? But everything else is just another day of the week because church isn't that important. And maybe there's times when you think that too. It's just like, eh, you know, I don't go to church this week. I don't, I don't need that. But we do need it. We need each other so that we can point each other to Jesus. That's why it's so cool. Lashinsky's joining the church. It's so awesome to be part of the family of God. We need a church to point us back to Jesus. Who else in your life is going to tell you to flee immorality? I mean, I mean no one is. We need each other. We need to be in small group. We need to be in worship to point each other to Jesus. We can't overestimate our ability. Listen, we all need the gospel. All of us were lost. Why would we, over, why would we overestimate ourselves? We were all lost. We were dead in our sins. Jesus had to raise us from the dead. Why would we overestimate ourselves? We don't have the ability to run from sin on our own. Don't think that we do. We were dead in our sins. We need Jesus. Our heart was hard towards God. On our own, we would reject God all the time. We need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. Do you think Joseph was able to resist temptation because he was an unbelievable man of God? Is that why he resisted? No, he resisted because he knew God. He resisted because the power of the Holy Spirit was in him to be able to run from the immorality. On our own, we can't do it. I don't want you leaving from here saying, yeah, you know what, Pastor Andy said, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to run from all the sexual sin that's in my life. I'm going to run from all the immorality. I'm going to do it. You can't. You can't do it on your own. What I want you to do, and what I want to do, is I want to fall to my knees and ask for Jesus to come in and to help me to run from immorality, to help me to flee from immorality. I see over and over and over again in God's word people falling into temptation. I see over and over and over again in people's lives 
people falling into sexual sin. I see over and over and over again pastors losing their ministries because they've fallen into sexual sin. I want to flee from sexual immorality, but it is hard, isn't it? There is temptations everywhere around us. And so we need to clothe ourselves with Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to allow us to stand up under the temptation that is around us. This is Romans chapter 13, verse uh, 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of sinful nature. Jesus came because we are all broken. See, in Matthew chapter 1, it, it says that Matthew chapter 1, verse, verses 21 and Revelation 3, we see the gospel here. We were all broken in our sin. We all can fall into sexual immorality. Some of us have fallen into sexual immorality. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. If you are currently in immorality, I want you to know that Jesus came for you. There is hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for you because of what Jesus has done. Jesus came on this earth. He lived a perfect life and he didn't fall into any temptation at all. And then he went on the cross and he died on the cross taking away all of our sin, all the sexual sin, past, present, and future, all the ways that we fall short of God. He took that on him and it was painful and it was awful and it separated him from his father but then he overcame that sin. He overcame death. He rose from the dead victorious. You know what that makes us? That makes us victorious. We're victorious because of what Jesus has done. And Jesus says this in, in, in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and lets me come in, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He wants to have that closeness with you. He understands the sin that you've done. He died for it. He wants to have a relationship with you. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus? If you've been trying to overcome your own sin on your own, you must be exhausted. It's very tiring to do that. And you may be thinking it's hopeless. Well, I want to tell you that trying to overcome it on your own is hopeless. But there is hope in Jesus. Put your faith in in Jesus. I want to give you a chance right now to put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer. It doesn't matter the words that I'm saying. These aren't some special magical words. It's about you putting your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. If you're, tried, you're sick and tired of trying to overcome things on your own, put your faith in him. It's the only way to find joy and peace in eternal life is by clothing yourself with Jesus. And if you'd like to do that, why don't you say this prayer with me? Lord, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge to you that I have sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I want you to come in my life and be my savior. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life and be my Lord. Help me become the person that you want me to be. Amen. If you did that for the first time, I want to congratulate you. I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. I want to welcome you to the place where you can find hope and peace and joy and eternal life. If you did that here in person or you did that online, let someone in the church know about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you grow in your faith. And if you have 
put your faith and trust in Jesus. What an awesome opportunity for us in the world that we live in to be a little different, just like Joseph was. To be a little bit different, realizing that we need the power of the Holy Spirit, but we can make a huge difference in our world. In closing, I'm going to share this quick story about the shoe salesman. You may have heard this story before, but it's such a great illustration that two two shoe salesmen, say that three times fast, uh, went to an island and they showed up there and they saw that no one was wearing any shoes. One of the salesmen called back to the office and said, listen, cancel the order. No one here wears shoes. I'm coming home. The other salesman said, no one here wears shoes. Double the order. This is going to be awesome. And I think we have an opportunity to do that in our world. We can say, man, this whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, look at all my neighbors here in World Golf Village. They're just so worried about everything, all the possessions that they have. They, they don't care anything about God. I've tried to invite them to church, and they're just living their lives, and it's so discouraging. And look what's happening in our world uh, from, from the top down, and this is just going to be awful. This is just going to be terrible. We could have that attitude. We could do that. Or we could say, you know what? We live in a nation with great immorality. Praise God. Because we have a chance to make a huge difference through the power of the Spirit. That we're the ones that know how to flee immorality. We're the ones to know, that know where the true joy giver can be found. We're the ones that know how to get eternal life. And we're going to do everything we can to point people to Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to do. I want to make a difference. I want my life to count. I want to point people to the one that can help us flee immorality. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the temptations around us are overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes it's difficult to flee from immorality. Lord, I pray for anyone right here, right now, that's here in this room or watching online, that's in the midst of sexual immorality, that feels trapped, doesn't feel any way out. I pray, God, that you would give them peace, that they would know your forgiveness, that they would be able to find healing in you. I pray for all of us as we're tempted in many different ways to fall into immorality. I pray you give us the strength that can only be found in you. Lord, when we find ourselves in situations, help us to be able to run. Help us to be able to flee from those situations. Lord, the only way that's going to happen is through the power of your spirit. So I pray that you would do that for the sake of your church, that you may be glorified. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.